right, we are live in our Facebook page. Uh, good evening, good evening, good evening, good afternoon, good afternoon, or good morning to those people who are watching live in our Tuesday Dementia Training. Today, we have a special guest, Miss Rachel Wiley. She is an occupational therapist. She is based in Philadelphia and just an awesome occupational therapist. And uh, we just wanted to interview her, ask her some questions uh, about her practice and about, obviously, dementia. That's the reason why we're here. Well, we're here to help out and bring out the best in you. So if you are watching live, ladies and gentlemen, in our Alzheimer's and Dementia Support Group, please comment live. We want to know if you are watching live. And if you're watching on the replay, obviously, we want you to comment replay because we want to know if you are still watching the replay. So again, oh, I see Asha uh, watching. Thank you very much for watching, Asha. And uh, hello, uh, oh, Miss Cindy. Uh, Miss Cindy is another uh, uh, dementia expert. So uh, let me just stop my share here so you guys could see uh, 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 Rachel's beautiful face and my beautiful face. I just dyed my hair, so it's pretty dark now. My wife dyed my hair. Thank you very much for my <laughs> hair sponsor today. <laughs> my wife. Really? Imagine, I'm dyeing my hair. Am I that old? Do I look old to you, Rachel? No, not no, at all. Right? Gosh, great. I had to dye my hair because it's all white now. Speaking <laughs> of dye. These days, though. I know, right? Speaking of dying, <laughs> it's my first time that she dyed my hair. Speaking of dying, uh, I had my patient. Speaking of hair, my wife, my wife, one of my patients, she has been so depressed that she's unable to get out of her facility, of that independent facility, because uh, you know she can have her hair fixed. Imagine what the COVID is is actually doing to our residents in the nursing home and the assisted living and independent living facilities and. Uh, you know, remember, hair care is very important. You know, hair care is very important in that, you know, when you when you dress good, when you feel good or when you when you dress good and, you, and your hair is good, you feel good. My wife Absolutely. is like that. Yeah. So what more for our residents? Well, anyway, let me just reintroduce uh, Rachel. Rachel Wiley, she's just an awesome occupational therapist, and she's just here to talk about some uh, tips for us how to handle your Alzheimer's and dementia loved ones. You know, she's going to talk about, you know, her, her practice. What does she do? What are the services that she provides? And just being awesome for our group. So, again, Rachel, again, could you reintroduce yourself? I know. Uh, sure, absolutely. So. Um, so, a little bit about me. I am an occupational therapist and certified dementia practitioner. Um, I'm also certified. Woo, I'm also certified in a program called Skills to Care which is an evidence-based program for caregivers of people with dementia. Um, huge fan of Dr. Laura Gitlin and all of her work. So um, shout out to Dr. Gitlin. Um, and then in addition to that, I do own day-by-day -day home therapy, which is specifically um, a occupational therapy practice for people with dementia and their caregivers in their homes covered through Medicare Part B. Um, I was previously just an in-home practitioner, but now with the, the change to telehealth, I can offer telehealth services through Medicare to clients in all of Pennsylvania, New Jersey, and Delaware um, oh, wow. so from license. So I'm excited about potentially offering clients or more client services. Um, and then I also own something called the Dementia Collaborative, which I really just started recently, but I'm hoping to be able to offer more educational resources to people caring for 
um, those with dementia. And I'm also an advisory council member for the Dementia Society of America, which I am very honored to be a part of. They're a phenomenal organization. Um, And I also have family experience caring for people with dementia. So uh, yeah, it's my whole life. (laughs) Amazing. You are doing amazing stuff. Uh, But uh, I mean, Asha said, awesome, three states. So it's just amazing how you're doing that. But uh, you're touching people, you're changing lives. And uh, with all this association that you do, uh, uh, I think I really applaud you for doing that because I don't, I'm not even active from all the other associations that we have. I'm only partnering up with Alzheimer Association, but uh, with you doing that, you're, you're touching people, you're, you're touching more people's lives. So keep up the good job. Well, anyway, going back to, uh, to what we're supposed to do in the group (laughs) to give us three tips about, uh, how we could take care of our, uh, loved ones that has dementia because majority of our, our members here in this group are caregivers and some are actually patients that has dementia or persons with dementia. So could you give us like a three quick tip on how we could take care of them? And then uh, there's another guy, there's another person that asked a question. I don't want to tell his name, but, uh, uh, or say his name, but uh, I'm going to ask, throw that question to you too later. So. Okay. That mm-hmm. sounds good. Um, so I was trying to think of what three tips I wanted to share. Um, and the three tips that I came up with, I know a lot of people talk about self-care. So I'll step back from that for a moment, even though that is really, really important. Um, but the three tips that I have for you guys today are all kind of intertwined. Um, so I'm going to start with this idea of communication and being very, very, very conscious of the exact words that we're choosing to use when communicating with our family members. So for example, you know, we know resisting bathing or resisting toileting are uh, issues that come up quite often. So if we think about what's that initial resistance, and it might actually be to the word bathroom or toilet or shower. And so if we think about what's triggering that behavior? It could be something as simple as the word. Um, Of course, it could be more complex than that, but I would urge everyone to really think through the exact words that they're choosing to use and the phrases, because that could have a really substantial impact on um, behavior and quality of life for people with dementia. So that's one. Gosh, that is such a powerful, before you go to the second tip, uh, you know, words are very powerful, ladies and gentlemen. I just want to harp on that. Words are very powerful. I have, you know, I still work at the nursing home. I still go to different facilities and I do have my own small little practice and do also telehealth like what you do. And most of the caregivers, they say the negative word. You know, they say one negative word. Remember, when you say one negative word, you have to counteract that with seven, seven, seven positive words. So if you, if, if example, the patient was holding a, a, a spoon and fork and they drop it and then you keep saying, you keep dropping your spoon, mom, you keep dropping your spoon. Guess what? What they're going to remember is that they keep on dropping their spoon. They keep on dropping their spoon or you, you, you soiled your pants again. You, you sold your, your briefs again, and they're going to keep remembering that. Yeah. Remember words are very powerful, not just the, uh, you know, verbally, you know, because, you know, when words are just like, a, a, they, it's like a double-edged sword. 
If you say a positive word, guess what? It's going to be, they're going to get a positive result. If you say a negative word, you're going to get a negative result. Just like a, just like a seed. You plant a, you plant an apple seed. Guess what? What you're going to get? You're going to get an apple tree, apple fruit. Right. If you plant an orange seed, guess what? You get an orange tree, orange fruit. Is that a tree? Orange. Sounds so same, <laughs> same thing with the words that we, we mm-hmm. say to our loved ones or to the person that we are taking caring of. And same thing with our life, with, with ourselves. If we keep saying, oh, I dropped my thing. I'm so clumsy. Guess what? I'm going to be clumsy all the time. Right. But if you say I'm going to be better, you're not lying. You're not, you know. But if you say you say what you want to be, you say what that loved one wants to be, you know. So I'm going to stop talking. I'll let you do your that's thing. Okay. No, no, that's fine. Like, I think that's a phenomenal point. Not only... Um, the words that we use in terms of the meaning of the word itself, but also the emotion behind it. Um, I think that, or the tone, you know, that's a really, really good point. Um, and kind of to connect that to another tip, um, use the environment to your advantage. So for example, if we're going to use this, this example of, um, you know, mom, it's time to get a shower or, uh, you know, can you take a shower now? And if she gives immediate resistance to the word shower, then let's not talk about the word shower. Let's take the word out completely, right? Or if the word toilet or bathroom is a trigger to resistance, cut the word out completely. Instead, let's use the environment to tell our family member what it is that we need them to do. So set up the bathroom to look like it's time to get a shower. Maybe you say something like, hey, mom, let's go for a walk. Or, um, you know, I I need a favor uh, with something. Can you come with me? And then you just happen to end up in the bathroom. Again, this might not work for everyone. But if we set up the environment to look like what we need them to do, that might speak for itself and allow us to cut out the words that are causing a behavior. Or a negative reaction. That is so powerful. That is so powerful, ladies and gentlemen. I don't know if you're watching. Again, if you're watching live, please comment live. If you're watching on the replay, please comment replay. Well, anyway, uh, did you hear what she said? What Rachel said? She said, you don't have to say that specific word. You don't have to say it. I'm going I'm to tell you nicely now. I work at the psych hospital. And I don't tell the word physical therapy. When I go there... I don't tell the patient, hey, come in. We're going to do some physical therapy. You're not going to work. They're going to work. They're not going to work with me. Hey, what's going on, uh, Lisette? Thank you very much for watching. They're not going to work with me because physical therapy is like, oh, they're just going to work. They're going to exercise. No, we don't want that. Hey, Tawana, thank you for watching live. So they don't want to work. You know, when, I, when, when somebody's there and then there's a CNA, oh, Dr. Michael is here. You're going to do some physical therapy. I would be like, no. Don't tell them I'm physical therapist. (laughs) It's not because I'm lying, but they will not work with physical therapy because in their mind, oh, I I don't don't want to work. I don't want to exercise. Right. But I go there. I come in. Hello, hello, Mr. and Mrs. Smith. My name is Michael. I'm just here to check on you real quick. I just want to see how you move your neck, how you move your arm. And they'll be like, I can move my arm. I can move my neck. I just want to see how you stand up and walk. And you want to walk towards the towards the bathroom. Obviously, if they don't want to go to the bathroom, I'm not going to say go to the bathroom. I just say, okay, let's just walk towards the nurse's station. It's just check on what they're doing. That's how you do it. Your words is very powerful. 
Mm-hmm. Your words are very powerful. So you have to change your words in order for you to change your world. If that makes That's sense, okay. ladies and gentlemen, thank you for pointing it out, Rachel. Yeah. I love that. Of course. All right. So, um, and, and that, no, no, I think I appreciate all of that information because I think it really hits home why these things are important. Um, and the, the third tip that I chose to pull from again, kind of connects to both of these tips, but, um, think about allowing the person with dementia to feel as though they are still in control of some aspects of their life. So we know that people with dementia, they really are losing control over a lot of things in their life. You know, um, not only can they probably not maybe go to work anymore, um, they're not socializing with their friends like they used to, but now we get into, they can't even do self-care without some assistance. So when we think about why behaviors occur, a lot of times that's stemming from that internal feeling of, I call it a loss of sense of control, right? So think about when we use our words and when we use the environment, how can we allow the person to feel in control? And again, sometimes that's by removing our words. Sometimes it's using the environment. So then the person feels as though they're the ones initiating it. But really, we know that we have more external control over the situation. Even something like, you know, you need the person with dementia to drink. Instead of saying to them, drink the glass of juice or mom, take your pills or how about cheers, right? I have a glass, you have a glass, cheers. Then I take a sip. We make it more social, right? We're not putting everything on the person and telling them what to do Mm-hmm. every single moment of every single day. So um, hopefully those three tips are oh, wow. are somewhat helpful, but I tried to pick three that kind of went hand in hand. That last tip was very powerful because we have a problem with that. You know, another way for you to improve that drinking is you, you remind them, hey, mom, what time again is your, what time do you take your medication again? Mm-hmm. If they say it's eight o'clock, actually it's eight o'clock now, ma'am go ahead and take your medication. Again, that's where the words comes back in. You know, are you asking them close-ended question or open-ended question? When you ask an open-ended question, guess what? They're going to, they're going to process that question. They're going to process it. But if you ask them a close-ended question, like a yes or no, you're giving them the power again. You're giving them the power, rephrasing, rechanging your words. Remember, you cannot change an Alzheimer's or dementia patient, but what you can do is change your, change yourself. You change your words again, and you change your world and also your your patients with dementia's world. So thank you for pointing that out. Hey, guys, I'm learning here. I'm learning. Look, <laughs> I'm writing it down, actually. First is communication. Second is your words, you know. Uh, and last, number three is uh, make them look like it's there. it's, it's their control. They're that they're they're in control, yeah. and this is what the, the skills to care. This is where Tipa Snow comes in. They're making sure that it's actually your loved one or your patient or the person with dementia thinks that they're actually really doing it, not yourself, exactly. not dictating. <laughs> Excuse me. Imagine I'm a little Filipino guy, and here comes a a a, a big tall nurse coming in and telling me what to do. Oh gosh, I'll be, I'll be having some behaviors. 
Right. You know, and right. imagine I, 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 I have, if I get dementia, hopefully not, knock on wood, and I cannot understand English. And somebody telling me, hey, uh, <laughs> take my medication, I'm just going to get confused. I'm just going to get confused. Yeah. I still remember, Mike, the, um, you know, I, I typically get clients referred to me because of challenging behaviors, but I still remember one client, something as simple as I was referred them because they were quote, resisting taking their medication and something as simple as I came in the first day, they had their little pill cup in front of them. So I said, you know what, to the family, give me one, a, a spare pill cup. Let me put a few, you know, gummy bears in it or something small. And if, as long as you don't mind me eating your gummy bears. And I just sat across from the woman, chit-chatted for a few minutes. And then I said, cheers. And just kind of tapped medicine cups with her. I took my pills. She took hers. Um, because I wasn't telling her what to do. I was showing her without my words, um, modeling for her what what she needed to do. So um, our actions and Again, something as simple as just having a lighthearted conversation first can really have a, a, a pretty significant impact on our. Perfect. Perfect. I love that. Uh, I see uh, Lisette said she's going to take the skills to care next go around. Uh, Cindy said, yes, keep us no teaches choices and possibilities. She's awesome. Right. I mean, if you if you are if you are watching right now, ladies and gentlemen, I'm just going to give a special shout out to Miss Tipa Snow. She's just awesome. I interviewed her several times in my podcast, and I see her once a year, and, and, and it's just, she's such an amazing person. So you got to check out her videos. If you're watching here in the Alzheimer's and Dementia Support Group, you need to watch Tipa Snow's videos in YouTube, okay? Uh, Nilda said, I noticed that people with dementia loves to talk. Why? Okay. Uh, that's uh, another question there. Uh, uh, for you, Rachel. Yeah. I noticed that people with dementia loves to talk and she's yeah. questioning why. So yeah. do you mind answering that for That's us? No problem. So, you know, I find it sometimes hard to generalize different um, actions or behaviors because what could be triggering one person with dementia to talk a lot might not be the case for another person with dementia. Um, so, you know, it could have to do with a few things. One, it could be that um, the part of the brain that is maybe most involved for that particular client might be related to them um, talking a lot. Um, another factor could be socialization, right? Mm -hmm. So they're not having the same interaction with, um, you know, their, their colleagues, their peers, their friends as they used to. So they may be talking to fill in kind of this blank space, if you will. Um, so when they don't know what else to do with themselves or not really sure, you know, what's going on, what activity to do, what they're supposed to be doing. If I just talk and have a conversation, then I'm filling this kind of awkward silence. Um, mm -hmm. And that's also when we see a lot of repeating too, right? People ask me a lot about re repetitive stories or my mom tells me the same story at dinner five times. Um, you know, it comes from a place of she's trying to make conversation. There's a lull in conversation. And so she's pulling from that same topic that she's comfortable with. 
So um, what I usually recommend in situations like that, and again, it varies case to case, but uh, general rule of thumb, sometimes I tell people, why don't you create your own topic box? You know, pull out a box of index cards, write on the index cards a few topics that you think you know, you can engage your family member in. And um, before maybe they have a chance to tell you that same story over again, why don't you pull out a topic and you kind of start the conversation by reminiscing about something that they um, used to do that's different from their other ones. So I don't know if that answers your question, but hopefully that's a, uh, a help for you. It does. Yeah. Uh, one of, again, Nilda, I hope you learned something from that. And another thing, one thing that is really true with Alzheimer's and dementia, it's just going to get worse. Right now, if they're still talking with you and they're still remembering this that stuff, I don't know if you heard what uh, Rachel said about reminisce. Continue to do that. Keep using that. You know, keep talking about with mom or dad or whoever, because time will come as the dementia progress. As the dementia progress, they will never. They will stop talking there will stop because it's going to get worse. And that part of that brain, whatever part of that brain that's making them talk is it's going to stop and you're going to miss that conversation with mom. And I know it's, it's really irritating. It's, you know, again, same question, same story again and again, but just make the most out of it. Um, And just extract it, you know, just extract it. I would even recommend that you record it with your phone, that conversation with mom. Uh, Why? Because if I was, my mom and dad already passed away. I have a a, a last phone call from my dad where he accidentally pressed the button and I can hear his voice there in that voicemail. It wasn't direct. It wasn't talking to me. It was just a, an accidental call that he dialed. And I just hear that voice where he's talking to somebody else, like a butt dialed thing. And it's just amazing. It, it just, it just touches my heart. And if you can record it, mom is just talking again and again. You record that, make the most out of it. Do reminisce therapy. What's the reminisce therapy that uh, uh, Rachel was talking about? You know, basically uh, uh, talking about the, uh, Different stuff, you know, if, if, they, if they've been talking about that restaurant that they've been to, ask them, what's their favorite meal there? What's your, your, your how did you go there? Uh, uh, well, let me just turn off that thing. That's my wife texting me. You know, <laughs> ask, ask, uh, uh, ask what their favorite meal, how did they go there? Who were you always there and stuff like that. All right. So thank you very much for that tip, uh, Rachel. Uh, appreciate you. And I should uh, maybe also mention that um, maybe not so much the talking, but, um, you know, I'm I'm because I'm an OT, I use these OT models, so I won't get into all the details of this. But there is a stage um, as we get closer to end of life that OTs we refer to as kind of the sensory oriented stage where um, our clients are more likely to exhibit kind of repetitive sensory oriented behaviors. So for some clients that might look like kind of rocking, humming, scratching. For other clients, it might be um, just kind of... uh, um, gibberish for lack of a better word. So vocalizations 
or kind of like yelling, again, humming, spitting, those types of things. So it might not be maybe meaningful in that they're not able to to vocalize words that we understand, but it could be that um, they're expressing words or vocalizations in that stage um, as a a way to meet kind of a, a sensory need, if that makes any sense. That's true. That's so true. That's so true. Well, again, uh, thank you very much, Rachel, for coming over. I appreciate you. Uh, where can we reach you? Uh, do you have any website? That, uh, Absolutely. So um, I do have two different websites. One is daybydayhometherapy.com. Um, that's for the Medicare and telehealth practice. And then I also have another website, the dementiacollaborative.com. Um, and that's for, again, some of those kind of little videos and training, which I'm working on building. So if you guys have any recommendations for me, I'll work on those. Excellent. Um, yeah, but thank you well, so much for having me today. I well, really thank you very much. Uh, appreciate you, Rachel. If you have any question, reach out to her. If you need telehealth services, reach out to her too. And, and then, I uh, also say, also check out the Dementia Society of America. Dementia um, I'm partial. I love them, but but they're a really great organization. Of course, any kind of movement, any kind of society, any kind of association, uh, the more we do this, the better. It's not, we cannot do this. I cannot do this on my own. Deepest Snow cannot do it on their own. Skills to Care cannot do it on their own. Right. Rachel cannot do it on, on her own. <laughs> we have a lot of, uh, we need more. Of people who are doing this to educate people about Alzheimer's and dementia. So until there's a cure, there's a care. Again, thank you very much, Rachel. Uh, Again, thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen. If you have any more questions, just shoot, uh, post it below. Rachel will try to answer it uh, through chat. But again, thank you very much, Rachel. I appreciate you. you. Uh, And thank you again, ladies and gentlemen. I wish you all the best. Be awesome. Be great. Be excellent. Thank you, Rachel. And you have a good night. Thank <laughs> you.